We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, Elmani. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, Elmani. Luke chapter 13, as today we have uh, a really neat study beginning here in verse 18. In which Jesus is speaking, and he's going to be speaking a couple of parables, and he's going to share a really important lesson regarding salvation. Because look what we read here in verse 18. It says, And then he said, What is the kingdom of God like? And to what shall I compare it? It is like a mustard seed which a man took and put in his garden, and it grew and became a large tree, and the birds of the air nested in its branches. And again he said, To what shall I liken the kingdom of God? It is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal, till it was all leavened. Jesus asked, What what can I compare the kingdom of God to? How can I illustrate it? You know, the kingdom of God is an interesting phrase. It's found 69 times in the Bible. And it's actually used interchangeably with that other phrase, the kingdom of heaven. What it refers to is God's kingdom in heaven, God's kingdom on earth, and God's kingdom even within his people. You know, one day, you guys, the kingdom will be visible. It's going to be amazing, man. We're going to be home, or we're going to be there in the millennial kingdom. We're going to see King Jesus, you know, reigning on his throne, and everything is going to be visible. But until then, the kingdom of God is invisible. It's largely invisible. And so what the Lord is sharing here, he kind of opens up the curtains to certain things about the kingdom that we need to be aware of, that, you know, we might not see, uh, uh, you know, real easily. And he kind of shows us what the kingdom of heaven is like. And so he uses a couple of illustrations here. And the first one he uses is regarding a mustard seed. He said right here again in verse 19, it's like a mustard seed which a man took and put in his garden and it grew and it became a large tree and the birds of the air nested in its branches. Now Matthew 13 shares the same parable. When Jesus shared it there, he said it's like a mustard seed, the smallest of seeds, real small seed. Now the mustard seed in all actuality is not the smallest seed known, but it was the smallest seed known then to the farmers and gardeners. But what we see the Lord saying is that even though it's so small, when you put it in the ground, it becomes this big tree. You know, the largest of the herbs, some say even up to 12 feet high, the mustard seed would grow. And so what Jesus is saying here is that the kingdom of God is like, you know, this small seed. It's a small beginning. We know it began with what, 12 guys. Later it grew to 120 when Jesus died. But now we see it's all over the world, right? Small beginning, extraordinary growth. And the birds are there nesting in its branches. But then he says in verse 21, it's also like this. Here's another illustration of what the kingdom of God is. It's like leaven, okay? Leaven, which a woman took and she, you know, just hides it there in the, in the, in the bread and three measures of meal. Until what happens? The whole loaf is leavened. Now, it's kind of interesting here. The three measures is actually 60 pounds of dough, you know, 60 pounds, man, of masas, you know. 
Uh, it's interesting, Genesis 18.6, Sarah used the same amount. It's a large amount, right? Imagine that, 60 pounds of bread. And yet what we see here is it requires only a little leaven, Jesus is saying, to permeate throughout the entire loaf. And so you, you, know, you read that and, and you wonder, okay, Manny, what does it mean? You know, what is this kingdom of God, this invisible thing that's going on? It's a, it's a mustard seed that he puts in the ground. It becomes a big tree for the you know, birds to you know, hang out in. And it's this little leaven and goes into the dough and it leavens all this bread. What is Jesus really saying here? You know, there are some who say that Jesus is simply teaching on the amazing growth of the church. You know, they say the outward growth will be so great that people from all over the world will be saved. Hence, the birds and the branches, you know. And they say that the leaven is an expression of the inward growth of God's kingdom within the lives and hearts of men. And I read a whole bunch of commentaries on this. I read, because I know this is kind of a you know, controversial thing, you know, and there are some who believe that Jesus is just teaching that the church is going to be big. There's going to be a lot of people, you know, from all over the world. But I think when you dig a little deeper... I think you're going to see that it means something actually a lot different than that. You know, in looking at this, you guys, we have to really, really let the Bible, you know, comment on itself. What's the best commentary on the Bible? Does anybody know? The Bible, the Bible right? You know, not uh, these other guys that you're reading, you know, this is the Bible. What does the Bible have to say about leaven? What does the Bible have to say about birds? You know, those are the things that will help us understand what Jesus is saying. You know, one interesting thing, if you go back real quick, it's not far. Look to Luke chapter 12 in verse 1. It says, In the meantime, when an innumerable multitude of people had gathered together so that they trampled one another, he began to say to his disciples, First of all, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. There we see leaven is painted in a negative picture. As a matter of fact, check this out, you guys. 98 times leaven is referred to in the Bible and 98 times it's evil. 98 times is symbolic of wickedness. As a matter of fact, if you read the Passover in Exodus chapter 12, the Lord said, let there be no leaven among you. And so they were to actually get rid of it. If you were a Jew today and you were celebrating the Passover, they would make sure there was no leaven anywhere. I mean, they would check every nook and cranny, make sure there's no leaven in your house whatsoever. Because what we see when we read the Bible is leaven is symbolic of evil. It's symbolic of wickedness. Jesus shares that back in Luke 12, verse 1. And if you read the context of Matthew chapter 13, where this parable was also shared, it, it really indicates opposition. You see, the Jews, and Jesus would know this, they knew their scriptures well. And they recognized that leaven represented evil. One other thing, if you go back to Matthew 13 real quick, Matthew 13, do you guys remember the parable of the, you know, the seed and the sower and he's planting the, the seeds and ground and stuff like that? In Matthew 13, it says in verse 3, he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. 
And so here's a parable. Jesus is talking about birds. You know, the guy goes, he sows his seed, but it falls by the wayside. And so the birds come and what do they do? They devour the seed. Now, one of the cool things about this parable is that the disciples were uh, able to ask Jesus, well, what does it mean? And we actually have the answer. If you go over to Matthew chapter 13, notice what we read in verse 19. It says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one, he comes and he snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. You see, in letting the Bible interpret itself, you'll find that leaven is symbolic of wickedness and the birds of the air are also symbolic of evil as well when Jesus interprets the parable for us. And then though it's a different parable, it's interesting that the birds would be seen in that light. You know, 1 Corinthians 5, 6 and 7 says, Your glorying is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Therefore, purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump. There we see leaven seen in a negative sense. Also in Galatians chapter 5, verses 1 through 9, leaven is seen in a, little, in a negative sense. It says a little leaven will leaven the whole lump. What we see, you guys, in looking at this is the Lord is telling us about the church. And He's telling us about what we see. And basically what He's saying is that, you know, the church is going to grow, man. It's going to get big. You're going to get a lot of people that say they're Christians. How many people in America say they're Christians, right? 75%, 80% say they're Christians, right? It's this big, big tree. But the birds, the problem is, is that not everybody is. And the birds have hidden themselves in the branches of the church. John Corson said this, Jesus is saying that the kingdom of God will grow in an unnatural way that will allow strange people to hide out therein. All you have to do is watch religious TV to see that this is so true. For there are indeed some strange birds roosting in the name and the kingdom of God. And it's true, huh? You know, you turn on the TV, you got some crazy guys, they're asking for money, right? You have many false teachers within the kingdom of God. You know, and I can't tell you how many times we come across this as leaders, as pastors. You know, a beautiful guy right here, man, just got saved, you know, you know, three months ago, he's on fire for the Lord, his whole life has changed. And then one day he tells me, yeah, you know, I'm watching this guy on TV. You know, uh, he's really cool, you know, but I'm not 100% sure about him. Manny, what do you think? And so I do a little research. I found out this guy is off the wall. Why? Because he's that bird that's nesting in the branches. Because sometimes people, man, they think that just because they wrote a Christian book or they're on the radio and they're, you know, saying some things that are true, that everything they're saying is true. And we have to be so careful because it's not the case. Unfortunately, you got Mormons that say they're Christians and they're not. You got JWs, Jehovah Witnesses say they're Christians, they're not. They're all over the place. You've got so much false teaching and false teachers that that has infiltrated the church. And what Jesus is trying to tell us here is just, you know what, be aware. I love you. I saved you. And you need to make sure you stay on track. Be so careful, you guys. That's what the Lord is saying. When I look at this, I see the birds. You know what the birds are? They're false teachers. And you know what the leaven is? It's false teaching. 
And what happens is a false teaching, it leavens the whole lump. Another thing that's interesting, William MacDonald said, these birds are elevated in these branches. These are the pastors, man. These are the teachers that are off the wall, that are in it for the wrong reason, not teaching the truth. And then if you think about the leaven, I like bread. How many of you here like bread? I'm so blessed for, you know, garlic cheese bread. You know, I, I just, I love, it's so good. You know, but, you know, the word of God is like bread. Huh. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds forth from the mouth of God. It's like this bread, man, that we get. It's our manna for today, right? But what ends up happening is the leaven, the poison, it gets in the bread. You know, and for a lot of you here, you know what? You, you got it all scored away. You're right on. But don't turn me off for a second. Because it's not over yet. So a lot of you here, though, don't know the doctrines. And you wouldn't be aware of the Joyce Myers that are going to turn you in the wrong way. Of What's that other guy? He's got the huge church, 40,000 people. What's his name again? Joel, Joel. Joel Olstein. You, you know, oh, he's so nice. I like the way he talks, you know. And I mean, you know, it's just amazing to me how a lot of times Christians lack discernment. And that little, that little thing that's creeping into your life, it'll destroy you. We have to be so careful, you guys, because there's birds in the branches, because there's leaven in the loaf. And what the Lord is saying is, I want you, I want you to be aware of that. It says right here, as we continue on in our text, in verse 22, that he went through the cities and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. Of course, we know he's going to die, right? The Bible says he set his face like flint to go to Jerusalem. But on his way, we believe now this is the Perean ministry, he's just teaching the Word of God. He's teaching the Word of God. And I pray that you would never get tired of just studying the Bible. Because the other things are cool, man. When you see cool videos, we do that sometimes, you know. Um, but it's not the same. It's not the same. It's not as clear and it's not as concrete, it's not as powerful as the Word of God. You know, I really encourage you to get into it. You know, let me share something with you. Sometimes you can go to church and you're like, you know what, I'm not really into the Word. You know, and some people, man, it's not something that they desire. I think the way you can fan the flame for that is don't wait until you come to church to read your Bible. Read your Bible on your own. This is something that God has been stirring up within my own heart. You know, because as a pastor, I can tell you this, what happens a lot of times, the only time we read our Bible is when we're studying to do a message. And that's not a good place to be, let me tell you. And so the Lord has been stirring me up. No, no, not just your devotional reading, Manny. Not just what you're supposed to go through in your schedule. And not just what you're teaching, Manny. No, I want you to get into the Word. Get into the Word. And then what ends up happening is so cool. You develop even more of an appetite for it because, man, the Lord begins to teach you. The Lord begins to speak to you. The Lord shows you how life is. You know, life for a Christian is real simple. Number one, when we learn the Word of God, we learn what's right, what's wrong. We kind of learn what to do. Okay? When we get saved, the Holy Spirit comes inside of us. When we pray, we're then able to tap into the power of the Holy Spirit. Right? Okay, so you've got, I know what's right and what's wrong, because I'm learning the Bible. I've got the power to do what's right and wrong, 
because of the Holy Spirit who lives inside of me and my prayer life. Now the question is, will we do what's right? See, and that's how the Christian life is. Just because I read my Bible doesn't mean I'm going to do the right thing. Just because the Holy Spirit lives inside me doesn't mean I'm going to do the right thing. But those are necessary to then help me do what? To make that choice. Now I can. Now I have the freedom to make right choices. And so Jesus is teaching. He's teaching the Word of God. Just like we're doing here today. He's teaching us. I'm not the teacher. Jesus is, right? And so what ends up happening is as he's teaching, undoubtedly he's talking about heaven and hell. It says in verse 23, Then one said to him, Lord, are there few who are saved? And he said to them, Strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen up and shut the door and you begin to stand outside and knock at the door saying, Lord, Lord, open for us. He will answer and say to you, I do not know you where you are from. Then you will begin to say, wait a minute, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know you where you are from. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. And there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and yourselves thrust out. They will come from the east and the west, from the north and the south and sit down in the kingdom of God. And indeed, there are last who will be first and there are first who will be last. Uh, From what I understand, um, I guess the scribes of Jesus' day, they often discuss the question of how many people would be saved. You know, I wonder that. And I know we talk about that sometimes. You know, we know that Jesus said there's going to be few that go to heaven. Uh, Friday, I did a funeral. And every time I do a funeral, I always think back of one funeral that I attended for my cousin. It was a Catholic funeral. And I remember what the priest said. He said, one day we'll see him again. One day we'll all be there in heaven with Georgie, right? That's what he said, right? And I remember, man, and I don't know for sure, but I remember my cousin, you know, I don't know if he's in heaven for one. And then I looked around at my family and I said, man, there's a lot of non-believers here. There's a lot of people here who are not following Jesus Christ. How can this man say that we're all going to heaven? He's lying to them. And that's why whenever I, I do a funeral, I always tell them, listen, not everybody's going to heaven. A lot of times people think, well, I'm a good person, I'm going to go. No, that doesn't get you into heaven. I went to church every Sunday. No, that doesn't get you into heaven. I did the altar call. I cried when I did the altar call. That, that in itself doesn't get you into heaven. You see, when you have false teachers, birds in the branches, and when you have false teaching, leaven in the loaf, You're going to get people with a false assurance. Oh yeah, I'm going to go to heaven. I'm a Jew. That's kind of what Jesus is saying right here. Listen, one day the first are going to be last and the last are going to be first. 
Yeah, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they'll be there, but you won't. Just because you're a Jew doesn't mean you're going to go to heaven. And just because you go to church, just because you did the altar call, just because, you know, your parents were nice or you were a good person, it, that's not the assurance that we have, you guys. And that's why when the guy comes to the Lord and he says, Lord, are there few? How many are going to get saved? You know, the Lord doesn't even really deal with that in a, in a general sense. What he does is he deals with it in a personal sense, huh? And he doesn't say, yeah, you know, 10%. No, he doesn't say that. He just says, strive to enter in to the narrow gate. And he makes it very, very personal for us today. It's interesting when you read that right here. You know, to strive, if you think about that, it's interesting. It signifies a struggle. Christ was here saying something, not that we should, you know, think that we have to work to enter into heaven. We know that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, right? But what the Lord is saying is that entering the narrow gate is nonetheless difficult. Why? Because of our pride, right? For one. Because of our sinful nature, number two. And because of the opposition, that we have from the world, the flesh, and the devil. And that's why we got to make sure that we know the Lord. Matthew 7, Jesus said this in verse 13 and 14, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. You know, I know that the first service, you guys are, are really cool. You guys are different. You guys wake up early. And you're like, man, I'm there at the early service. You know, there's less people at the early service. But even though there's less people here, if I had to guess, I would say that not everyone here is going to heaven. I would say there are some in this congregation right now that, will, that might end up in hell. That's just the way it usually works. Why? Because people are not really serving the Lord. And your life shows it. Jesus said you'll know them how? By their fruits. And if you're here and you're living a life of repetitive sin, if you're here and you don't really have a hunger for the word of God or prayer or fellowship, if you're here and you don't have a heart to serve God, then you really have to, to check your life. You know, when you got saved, it was a call to salvation. But did you also know it was a call to service? Did you know that? When God called you, it was a call to salvation and it was a call to service. It's the two sides of the same coin. That's why in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, it says, For grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not of works, as anyone should boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which He prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Boom, He says, you get saved, you start serving. Philippians 2, 12 says, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it's God who works in you, both to will and to do for His good pleasure. You know, all I'm saying is this, man, is that all you do is go to church on Sundays and there's nothing different about your life than you might not enter into heaven. 
And you have to examine your life, man. See, Jesus is saying there's false teachers and there's false teachings and there's a false assurance. And that's why he's trying to just shake us up and make sure. I know a lot of you here know the Lord. I know a lot of you here are saved. And I don't want to give you a doubt of your salvation. But some of you here do not know the Lord. And it's just a religion. And I don't want to give you an assurance or a false assurance of salvation. You know, you should be in church on a very, very consistent basis. You should be in the Word. You should be in prayer. You should be serving the Lord. You should be different. You should be growing. You know, I know some people that come to church and they're dating non-believers. Dating non-believers. You think you know the Lord? Living in unrepentant sin? They're sleeping with people. They're doing drugs and alcohol. You know, and I'm not talking about a slip here and there. Their language is vulgar. Their thoughts, the things they watch, the things they listen to. And all I'm saying is just, man, we got to make sure. And I'm not saying this to be mean to you. By any means. I just don't want any of you to go to hell. You got to make sure you know the Lord. You know, Jesus said, strive to enter through this narrow gate, man. Strive, agonize. You know, that word right there is a, is a word where we get our word agony from. And it speaks of the athletes and the way that they work so hard, you know, to win their crown. If we invested the same amount of time that we did in the things of the world, into the things of the kingdom, you know, we'd be in great shape. He says, because what's going to happen is one day it might be too late. And imagine that, you know, you're there. And I don't think it's going to actually, you know, work out this way. But you die. You know, and Jesus gives the illustration of they come knocking at the door. Lord, let us in. Lord, let us in. You know, you taught in our streets. We ate with you. We went to church. Had a Bible in my car and in my, in my house. I memorized, you know, 15 Bible verses you know, every month or whatever it is, you know. And the Lord's going to say, I'm sorry, it's too late. The door is already shut. I do not know you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. And that's why we have to make sure now. You know, before it's too late. You know, it reminds me of Noah. Imagine Noah, he's building the ark, you guys. Remember back in the book of Genesis. He's building the ark and he's telling everybody for 120 years, the Lord's coming, the Lord's coming, the Lord's coming. He's building an ark. It's going to rain. It's going to rain. What's this guy doing, Noah? What's he talking about? Man, rain. It's never rained. Um, this guy's, you know, the cheese has slipped off his cracker, man. He's way out there, right? And then, you know, one day, 120 years later, the rain begins to fall, right? And you know what the Bible says? That God shut the door. That God shut him in. And so as, as people are floating around in the water, you know, they're swimming to the ark. Let us in. Noah, let us in. He can't. God can't. Why? Because it's, it's at that point too late. Why is the Lord saying this, man? Because he wants us to make sure that we know the Lord. Let's look at a few scriptures that talk a little bit more about this. If you go over to 2 Peter chapter 1. 
I like what it says here in verse 5. It says, But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness love. It's called the ladder of virtues. What he's saying is, man, man, grow as a Christian. Go forward as a Christian. Man, go up this ladder of virtues, right? Don't just kick it, man. Grow. For if all these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. Because if you're growing in the Lord and you know, you're falling deeper in love with him and you're going forward, it's like you're going to know for sure, yes, I do know the Lord. And it's like, man, that's that assurance that you have. Jesus said, there's an outer assurance. By their fruits, you will know them. And you see your life and and it changes. If your life has not really changed, and by changing, what I mean is this. Okay, I don't mean that now you go to church every Sunday. That's not a changed life. I don't even mean that you read your Bible every day. That's not really a changed life. A changed life is the heart. It's character. It's a different man who respects his mother, who respects people, who loves people, who has the character of Christ. If your life hasn't changed, then maybe you don't know the Lord. And you need to search deeper. I mean, C.H. Spurgeon, remember what he said? A faith that doesn't change my behavior will never change my destiny. Why? Because it's not a religion. You know, when we were Catholics, when I was Catholics, it was a religion. I'd go to confession. Now I'm clean. You know, I do my ceremony. That's going to help me, man. My, you know, whatever it is. First Holy Communion, baptism. You know, you go through the ceremonies because it's just a religion. That doesn't save you, though. But when you become a Christian, you begin to read the Word, you realize it's a relationship that God begins to work on the inside out. You see? And what he's saying right here is, man, when your life changes, make your calling and election sure. You're, you're real sure about that. If you go back to Hebrews chapter 6, notice what it says here in verse 11. It says, And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. You know, you want that full assurance. I mean, you don't want to have any doubts. Do you know the Lord? Do you really know the Lord? You know, He wants you to have that full assurance. You know, we need the inner witness. We need the outer witness. Romans 8.16 says, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And so you hear the inner voice. Matthew 7.16 says, You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? No. You know, people say, hey, you know, and even before I was saved, I remember a friend of mine, he was saved, and he said, "Um, are you a Christian? I said, yeah, I'm a Christian. I wasn't, but I thought I was, right? And so some people say, I'm a Christian, and they're not really a Christian. It's like a tree over there saying, I'm a lemon tree, I'm a lemon tree, but homeboy's bearing apricots, man, he's not a lemon tree, right? If you're a Christian, your life will change. It's a matter of character. Beware of the, the false you know, teachers teaching easy believism. 
or teaching that if you're a Jew, you're going to be a Christian, or teaching that if you're a good person, you're going to be, you know, you're going to be okay. No, beware of the false teachers, the false teachings, because what they give is a false assurance. What Jesus said is this, if any man desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. He said, you must receive him as Savior, yes, but as Lord of your life. And if Jesus is not Lord of your life, if he's not calling the shots, if he's not leading you, then you're not saved. And today you've got to just absolutely surrender to that. You know, I know most of us here probably say, yeah, he died for me on the cross. Yeah, he bore my sins. Yeah, you know, he washes my sins away with his blood. There's a Savior, my Savior. But have you really said he's my Lord? Because that's the issue. Every day, one day, every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Have you bowed your knee to the Lord? Have you really confessed him as the master of your life? Because you don't want to hear those crazy words from Jesus one day, I do not know you. Man, that's a crazy, crazy thing for some to think they knew the Lord and they didn't. You know, then that's the cool thing about being a Christian is that the whole thing is about knowing the Lord, about a relationship with the Lord. You know, Jeremiah 9. I love this verse, you guys. Jeremiah 9. In verse 23, it says, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. Nor let the rich man glory in his riches. But let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me. I love that. But I am the Lord exercising loving kindness, judgment and righteousness in the earth. For in these I delight, says the Lord. Out of all the boasting that you can do in all of life, the main thing is what? To boast in the fact that you know the Lord. And so, you, you know, just look inside for a second. Do you know the Lord? Do you have a relationship with Him? Unfortunately, some people think they do and they don't. And one day they will be cast out. The door will be shut. And the Bible says there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's just the strongest Hebrew formula to express the suffering and agony of those who don't know the Lord. And so, I believe that contextually speaking here, God was speaking to the Jews. Because you guys remember the mentality of the Jews. You guys remember that, right? Their mentality was, because I'm a Jew, I'm going to heaven. That's what they thought, right? And the Jews believed that if you were not a Jew, that if you were a Gentile, you were only created to fuel the fires of hell. You guys remember that? It's crazy, huh? For us Hispanics, we're like, thank God that's not true, right? <laughs> thank God. And so the Lord is teaching them, you know, false teachers are teaching you a false message and it gives you a false assurance. And so he says here in the end, the first will be last, the last will be first. Contextually speaking, I think that's what the Lord is saying. But personally speaking... I think it's cool to know the principle that Jesus is saying here. And what he's saying here, look again, Luke 13 in verse 30. And indeed there are the last who will be first, and there are first who will be last. You know, one day when we're home in heaven, there's going to be a lot of surprises. Those who are very prominent in this world 
will not be as prominent in heaven. Those whom no one notices here may be the princes of the next world. Interesting. William McDonald said the permanent truth found in the formula in this verse is that position, heritage, race, or anything else which makes a man first in the eyes of men is sufficient to make him first in God's eyes. In the first analysis, he only is first who gives God first place in his heart and life. And that's where we need to be, guys. Don't worry about oh, you know, the senior pastor, the assistant pastor, the overseer of the ministry, people seeing me. None of that means anything. See, because God looks deeper than that. And what we see is the Lord just sharing with us, man, I just want, I just want to have a relationship with you. I don't want it to be religion. I don't want it to be superficial. I don't want it because I know how easy it can be to become a routine. I don't want that. What the Lord wants is our heart. What He wants is for us to be, you know, close to Him, man. You know, I know He's calling us there. You know, but in the meantime, we need to be aware. Be aware of the fact that there's birds in the branches, there's leaven in a lot of those loaves out there. And there's a lot of people who have a false assurance. Why? Because there's false teachers with false teachings. You and I, Let's study the Bible with all our hearts, man. Let's fall in love with the Lord. Let's be passionate about the calling to salvation and the calling to service. Father, what a joy it is to study your word together with your people, Lord. Lord, we know there's birds in the branches. We know there's leaven in the loaf. Father, we know there's false teachers and there's false teachings. I pray this morning, right here, right now, there would not be a false assurance in any heart. But I pray that we all would know you. And if there's anyone here today, Lord, who doesn't know you, who's been, you know, pretending, Lord, or just maybe they, you know, were just sincerely deceived, that right now there would be an absolute surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for all of us here because we're in the battle and, and maybe it's not us. You know, Maybe we're not the ones on the verge of being deceived, but maybe it's somebody else in our family, friends. Lord, I pray that we would do our part in the kingdom of God to help them. I pray, Father, for your encouragement today upon so many people that are hurting and struggling, Lord. And as we partake of communion today, Lord, I pray that we truly, that I truly would search my heart because, you know, I might have an assurance of salvation and and I know I know the Lord, but I want to grow deeper, Lord. I want to be a man that would bring you glory and honor. And so help us, Lord, to surrender those areas of our life that we need to surrender to you today. Let us not just go to church. Let us complete a spiritual transaction today. Lord, as we give you our hearts, thank you for loving us. Thank you for warning us. Thank you for dying for us. Be with us now, Lord, as we partake of communion together.
We hope you were encouraged by this study. If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel El Monte at air code 626-454-3414. Remember that Jesus loves you.